0: Progress. Okay, so up to dach nun, three lines into the page. law So we've had three usha hiskinus, you know, three institutions that supposedly started with the uh, Sanhedrin and usha. The last one is the most practical. But usha hiskinu, if someone's going to spend money on mitzvahs, on tzedakah, but the Rishaynim explained it applies to all mitzvahs, you don't spend more than a fifth. Is a whole to-do. Um, th- th- this is the source that when it comes to a positive mitzvah, you don't spend more than a fifth on a positive mitzvah. Alosa I say you have to lose all your money. But this is where Ramesha Feinstein was asked about if wearing a yarmulke means you're not going to get the job, could you not wear the yarmulke? So Ramesha said, yeah, because wearing a yarmulke is a minig, which is in the category of positive mitzvahs, and you're not obligated to lose more than a fifth of your money, which is your job. But again, it's, it's a very Negea halacha. Now, Tanya Mihochi, the Bryce similarly teaches, HaMivazvez, if you're going to spend money on tzedakah, you don't spend more than a fifth. Why? Because you spend all your money on mitzvahs. You're not going to have money for yourself, and you're going to have to start asking for tzedakah. So it's the Torah's way of protecting you from yourself. There was one tzedek who wanted to spend more than a fifth, but his friend stopped him. Umanu, was a friend that stopped him? Rabbi Yeshevov. Rabbi Yeshevov stopped his friend from spending more than a fifth. So it's not just, uh, you know, an advice. It's, you don't spend more than a fifth on Mrs. V'amri lo Rabbi and some say Rabbi Yeshevov wanted to spend more than a fifth. And his friend Rabbi Kiva stopped him. Okay. Amr Nachman, sorry micro, what's the source that you're not supposed to send, spend more than a fifth, up to a fifth is okay, but more than a fifth you don't spend because the Pesach says, Yaakov, says, whatever you give me, Aser asrenu l'och. I'll, 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 I'll separate uh, Meiser, but he said, Aser asrenu, double Meiser. if Meiser is 10%, then double Meiser is 20%. Up. So the Gemara says, wait a minute, if you're a math guy, you realize that if you take Miser on a Miser, it's actually 19 out of 20. Meaning, I have $100. What's 20% of $100? $20. So what's the source? Because Yaakovina said, I'm going to take double Meiser. Okay, You have $100. You take off Miser, that's 10. You're left with 90. Take off Miser off 90, that's 9. It's 19, it's not 20. So Because if you're taking off it's, it's only 20% if it's 10 and 10, but if it's 10 off of the remainder, it's actually 10 of 90%, so it's actually 19. So the Gemara says it's not exactly accurate. So the Gemara responds, um, What Yakavinu means, I'll take off double 10%. It doesn't mean 10% off the remainder. It means, I'll take up to double 10%, just 20%. Okay. Now we've had three statements of usha three takanas of usha all from rabbi law but the gemara is giving a mnemonic device to remember the first one which was um, uh, i just don't remember things um, the first one was usha adam zanes the first one was that the that you you the usha was metakin to force them to feed your children after the age of 6 that was rabbi law one name in the name of Reish Lakish, in the name of rabbi Yehuda Barchanina three names okay then the second usha hiskinu was about if someone gave over all his nachasim to his kids we force his kids to 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 support him that was rabbi law same rabbi law but in the name of Reish Lakish. so it goes three names now two names and this last one of not spending more than a fifth is rabbi law so it's it's there's three of them but the amount of names of who's being quoted is goes from 3 to 2 to 1 it's just a mnemonic device to remember uh, to remember so the gemara says amrav simi barashi ushmotalladus maitas vahaychus ve simre ketanim kasvu ubisuso ketanim kasvu ubisuso um the 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 children wrote and 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 uh, and uh and 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 spent meaning so rashi says bon of noise and shiktanum kaysev nikhasam vaze ivazes then those three are the 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 categories and the way to remember it is it goes from 3 to 2 to 1 Okay, fine. If you want to quote it accurately, because the first Usha Hiskina was Ravi Law in the name of Rish Lakish and named Ravihuda. The second one is Ravi Law in the name of Rish Lakish. The third one is Ravi Law. So 3 to 2 to 1. Okay. Okay. I need the answer for this because I'm going to get into like, stuff. <coughs> okay. The Gemara continues another um, Again, how this practically applies, I, I don't think this applies anymore, especially not in America, but That a father can be chilled with his kids until he's 12, meaning don't make them, you know, don't be so tough with them about going to yeshiva and learning until they're 12. Okay. After that, you make them miserable. Meaning, once they're 12, that's it. You, you, no more babying. you will be tough with them. Now, again, this does not apply. I can tell you, if you, anyone has learned the uh, first of all, you know, anyone who's seen kids off the this doesn't really work anymore in America. But if, if you want to know why, look at the introduction to the Eish Kodesh in his in his essay called Siach Im Hamalamdim, that he describes that the nature of people change. That children uh, perceive themselves as adults earlier now. And if they feel that someone's on top of them, then it's going to be like me trying to force you guys to learn, which is at some point uh, a man does not want other men to oppress them. So he talks about this that there's a change that that took place. But okay, the point is, so you should force them once they hit the age of twelve. Aini, is this true? Rav Shmuel Barshilas. said less than six years old, you don't accept a kid to learn less than six. He's too young, but. Barshiy kabbal. Once he's six, you accept him to, in yeshiva to learn. V'safi le keturah and you stuff him with Torah like uh, like an ox, meaning you force it down his throat. So you see that they're already force feeding Torah at the age of six. But you told me twelve. What's the uh, which? What's the answer? So the answer is v'safi le keturah. You force it force feed him until he's uh, once he's six. But to make him miserable is when he's twelve. Meaning there's different levels of. Of, of, of forcing them to learn. Once they're six, you already got to get them to sit down. But once they're 12, now it's, it's you already high. Again, and the same way, the same way we don't marry 10 year olds, we don't do this either. The Gemara continues. Iba um, Yisema, another answer of again, do you force them at six or 12? So the answer is loikasha, halamik or halamishna. It depends what. For Chomish, six. For Mishnai, for Gemara, 12. Dummer, Abayez, Abayez said, my mother told me. Abayah always quotes his mother. It wasn't his mother, it was his stepmother. Because he was raised by someone else. Uh, bar Shis Mikra, A six-year-old is ready to learn Chumash. Bar Esi la Mishnah, A ten-year-old is ready to learn Mishnahis and by telsa and once he hits 13 then he could start fasting for 24 hours right this is the source that we do not have chinuch for fasting outside of Yom Kippur, we don't force a kid the whole shmizama even writes that he doesn't know where this minig came like this minig minig in quotation he doesn't really he doesn't know that it's a real thing the whole thing of like three times before the burn so they have to fast Rishon did not believe in that, and he said, "You don't have to be mechanech someone in pain. <laughs> it's painful. It's it, it it is what it is. The only time we have a chinuch for fasting is Yom Kippur. Outside of Yom Kippur, there's no of like three before. What's you get used to it? You don't get used to not eating. It's it's painful. It's just it is what it is. When you're old enough, you do it, and before that, you don't have to do it. That was Rishon Mitzavim's thing. Is, is there something with one one before? No, Rishon Rosh didn't believe something. it. In his Sefer, he writes that he doesn't believe that there's anything before. Once you're 13, you do it. Before 13, you don't have to. Yeah, maybe you don't give him a mistake, and you understand uh, you know, b- extravagance, but but there's no, <clears throat> there's, no, there's no makar before 13 and 12. So that's where Shalom is mistakes. The Gemara says, And so like, for a girl 12 years old. Huh? This idea of, of with being tough with Back then it worked for those type of people listen for it's not you don't even go that far <laughs> you go 80 90 years ago what do you think i went to yeshiva where they hit the kids it didn't work because we hit them back but but they didn't hit them back 80 years ago 70 years ago 90 years ago whatever the times have changed but back then that was a very appropriate response the gemara continues i'm now these, these next gemaras i'm going to do very quickly these are either always remember whenever you're dealing with the remedies of medicinal gemaras which we've had a couple times already um, either remember two approaches either we don't know the medicine that they're doing or our bodies have changed just cuz they, they're going to seem a bit that actually fits into the exact same type. yeah it's a little times have changed a little bit so the says I'm really in my mother told yeah. me I'm not happy with that. no I am it's very, it's very clear yeah it's very clear Any, anyone listen the generation this, this the whole service right every and the the, the the issues with the age of the girl and this and whatever, yeah no. is old. Culture, society. Exactly. It's very, it's appropriate to, have to find these next glamorous. The, again, where did I hear this? Sugas, especially in the first, first over throughout, goes through so many sugiyas of shas. Yeah, it's a shas kata. It's a, a, a sugiyas it. in the sense of you can cover practically every. Concert, correct one we're gonna to get to that today there's actually a, a big cigarette that's coming up on ho base so the Gemara says aim my mother told me hi de akrova. if a six-year-old is bitten by a scorpion shis on his birthday Loy he's not gonna live why because of the day of the birthday the constellations I guess it makes it weaker and you're not going to live so what's your remedy May what's the remedy chivarta b'shichra. you take the bile of a white vulture you rub it on the uh Nishafi uh, Vinashke, you rub some of it on the, uh, on the on the wound, and you drink beer with the bile, and you'll be fine. Okay. Vait. Haibar If a one-year-old is bitten by a bee, beyond the mishm shat on his birthday, Lehai is not gonna live, so my So what's the remedy? You take dates uh Artscroll translates date palm bast. A woody fiber that grows around date palm trees. Uh Nishaafi Vinashke you rub it, and you drink some of it with water, and that'll be okay. Amrev Katina. Okay, fine. Amrev um, Katina. is B'noi Pachas If you try to teach your child Tyra below the age of six, meaning before the age of six, you could run after him to keep him healthy, but you're not going to be able to keep him healthy, meaning it's going to weaken him. Tyra is going to weaken him, so doing it too early is not a good idea. But then the Gemara says but some say the opposite. that Having him learn before 6, his friends are going to learn, run after him to try to keep up with him and he's going to out- excel them in scholarship. So you have two different, you know, statements of the Gemara. One is that it's going to weaken him and one of them is that he's going to excel in learning. So the Gemara says both are true. the He'll be weak, but he'll be the best in the class. Or or another answer it depends on the the, the nature of the, of the child if the child is a weak child by nature then he's not going to do well then it's going to weaken him more if he's a healthy child then it's a good idea before the age of six okay New uh, one more a little bit till the end of the daf is a little more I got it to. okay another Takan of Usha is a woman brings in property to her to her marriage if it's called this if it's that category then um, it, it, it remains hers she owns the property the principal but the Paris is enjoyed by the husband okay so if she sells it when she's alive then she's technically selling away the husband's rights right so Now, why she can't do that? What, 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 right? She can't do it because the husband. She has a cornfield, so the actual land is hers, but the corn is the husband's. She sells the land to someone else, so technically, she's selling the property. That's the only thing she has. She doesn't have the 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 actual corn, but she's selling the land, which means that when she dies, it goes to the to that guy, which is in a way a woman's way of circumventing her husband's power, right? Because the husband is having the, the the rights to it. And when she dies, it should go to the husband. But if she sells it when her husband's alive, it technically, when when the husband's alive, he can still continue with the payers. But when she dies, it goes to that guy. Chazal didn't like that because they thought it was a bad idea to allow that to happen, to, to circumvent the husband. It's going to cause problems. So what Chazal did was, We make the husband the original owner. Meaning we make it as if when she got married to him, she sold it to the husband. So if she subsequently sells it to someone else, it's not a valid sale. So in Usha, there were Metakin basically that she can't sell the land to circumvent the husband. Even though technically on a biblical level it could work, but the chazal understood this is a bad idea, it's gonna to lead to a lot of animosity. And um, and therefore chazal made it that it's it doesn't work. Okay. Um, till the end of the Amid is now Agadita, and then the next Ahmed is back to regular Gemara. Rav Yitzchok bar Yosef ran into Rav Avoh. bar Yosef ran into Rav Avoh to have a koy the Usha. He was in a you know in a gathering in Usha. Armelay man man the shmaid the Usha. Who said that statement that if a woman sells Nikhseh Malug, Khazal um undermined the sale. Who who offered that? Armelay Rav Yosi It was Rav Yosi so Tani he reviewed that statement that it was forty times. And it was like it was a it was like in his pocket. That's how he meaning he chazed it forty times until it was mamish. He got it like he got it down cold. Okay. Well, why why specifically this case? Really? I don't know. They have this a couple times throughout Shas that they had to review. I guess. Um, the concept of learning something 40 times. Yeah, that's, that's the main point, is the 40 <laughs> times, but I guess also maybe for Nichse malug was something that he was struggling with or was a chiddush to him. Okay, till the end of the I Amr, mean, we're going to do a I mean, like futures. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so the Gemara says, Ashrei Shaimre Mishpat Oisei Siddak The Pasuk says, Ashrei Shaimre Mishpat, praiseworthy are the people who guard. Uh, mishpat, justice they perform tzedakah at all times as the Gemara describes there's a possibility to do tzedakah 24 hours a day how do you do tzedakah 24 hours a day? you don't sleep how do you do tzedakah 24 hours a day? how do you do, 24 hours, a day? do, you do 24 hours? this is someone who supports his kids after the age of 6 as I mentioned before after the age of 6 you're technically not obligated to give food to your children in the times of the Gemara, but obviously we all do it, and it's considered tzedakah because they're poor people. That's a way to give to do tzedakah 24 hours because 24 hours you're taking care of your kids, which you don't really have to. So it's 24 hours. Or This is someone who raises an orphan. If you raise an orphan in your house, you adopt an orphan, you raise someone, uh, raise someone that that's that's mamish tzedakah, and it's 24 hours. The Pasuk then continues, you have wealth in your house, but this lot, and your charity still re- remains. Meaning, uh, Rashi explains that even though your wealth, uh, you're, even though you're doing tzedakah, your wealth never diminishes. What's an example where I do tzedakah and my wealth doesn't diminish? So the Gemara gives two explanations. This is someone who learns Torah and teaches it. I'm doing tzedakah by teaching Torah, but I'm not losing anything because Torah is like a flame. Giving over doesn't diminish on my own. And one says that it's someone who writes Svarim, who prints Svarim or buys Svarim and lends it to others. So I'm doing sadaka by lending the Svarim, but I'm not losing, I'm not diminishing my own value because I still retain ownership of the Svarim. The last one. You'll see children to your children, meaning grandchildren, you'll have peace. What does it mean? once you have grandchildren, you have peace, because then you know your kids will never have to do yibum. Right? Because if your son has a son, that means that he'll never have to do Yibam. And Yibam is a very traumatic, unpleasant process. So that will never happen. You'll have peace that you won't have to deal with that. Another Once you have grandchildren, there's not going to be any problem with inheritance. right? There's not going to be any heir problem it gets complicated. Rishina, by the way, ask. It's not really complicated because there's rules about it, but it's a little more complicated. If someone has a son and that guy dies, it goes money goes to the son. He has a son, then it goes, you know it's easy. What gets complicated is when you have no heirs. You see it already, like you see it. I don't want to try to compare it to, but you see it with like Hasidic dynasties, it gets messy. Usually not when there's sons. It's usually like you know there's a brother-in-law, there's a nephew, you know there's a cousin and an uncle. That's when it gets tricky. But if it's son to son to son, it's, it's, it avoids problems. So, Shalom Yisrael. Okay. Zemidosh Jarosh Rav Lezer Chacham. Go to the next page. Okay, so, what the Mishnah said is that the Mishnah was, Rav was proving that you only have to support your daughters after you pass away, not while you're alive. Because he said the same way the sons only get the inheritance after death, so the daughters only have to get supported after death. The Gemara says the following: Yosef, Rav Yosef, came Rav Hamnuna. Rav Yosef came in front of Rav Hamnuna. Yosef, Rav Hamnuna, Rav Hamnuna said. So Rav Hamnuna is sitting there, and he says the following: Kashem shein yor shem Look at the words that he says. Just like the sons only inherit land and not movable, not cash. Right? There's two. There's two types of inheritance. There's land, and then there's movable. Uh, you know, metal. So he says the same way sons only inherit land. Kach in habonis, these only son so, to the daughters after death, are only supported from land. They're not supported from cash. They're only supported from the value of the land. Like Sons only inherit land. They don't, they don't oh inherit any so money. no, so that's the obvious. The Gemara says. The Gemara says, when Rav said this, if, it's a, like a lashon you don't hear very often. I don't think we've had this yet since the beginning of Shas, and that's my knowledge. I'm not like trying. I, I would. I think this. I would have like heard this lashon. Everyone shouted at him which is like, you could picture it, that he says this in the base Medesh, and all the Rabbadim start yelling. Because he said, the same way the sons only inherit land, so to the daughters, only get supported from the father's estate, from land, not from movables. Here's the problem. Sons only inherit land? So if someone dies with millions of dollars in assets, but no land, there's no inheritance? That's ridiculous. So the Gemara says, <laughs> "So they say, What are you talking about? So the Gemara says, He says, maybe you were talking about. There's inheritance, which is obviously both movable and metaltolin, uh, and, and land and, and movable items. But then there's special inheritance that's delineated in the ksuva. The halacha is all things, all monies that are uh, promised in the ksuva are. are, are are goiva, are retained from karka. Meaning, if a woman has a... If in says, I'm going to give you $10 million, that money is taken from land, not from movable. The lien is on the properties, not movable items. And she gets the money from the land, not from the movable items. Now, if there is no land, the Bezdin will probably figure it out. They'll probably take it from the, the Taltan as well. But the Iker the Gemara is going to darshan this from uh, from Sukum that, that the Iker R- Rashi explains... Rashi says later on, When you write a document, we assume that you're referring to something that's real. right? So if you write a document that I owe you $10,000, how am I supposed to know that what money you had at the time? What you had at the time was real. Real is real estate. Real. It's real estate. It's karka. So all things ksuba, all all m- money is delineated in the ksuba are taken from Karaka, which means when it says that the sons, the same way the sons only get the inheritance from Karaka, so to the girls only support it from Karaka, It's not referring to all inheritance of the son. It's called ksuba in dikhrin which means that in the ksuba it said you have a okay, you have a man and a woman. They get married, right? They have boys, yeah. So she dies. Uh, he he dies. Um, Where does the money go from the ksuba? It goes to his heirs which are the sons. What if he had ten sons from other marriages? He had one son from this marriage but he had ten sons from others. so the other sons are just going to get the overwhelming majority of it. That's not really fair. (laughs) So what, right, a woman's getting married, she's bringing in this whole dowry, she's bringing in a lot of money, and it's going to go to his previous marriages, sons, her stepkids, she doesn't want that. So there was part of the ksuba, it, it stated, the money of the ksuba, not all inheritance, but the money delineated in the ksuba goes to our sons. That's called ksubas Dihran. That's only karka. So when she said, so when Rav Amnuna said, the same way the sons only inherit from Karka, so to the daughters only supported from Karka. It's not talking about all inheritance. They said, what do you mean? There's no inheritance if it's not land? Of course there's inheritance on land. But he's talking about the the inheritance that's delineated in the Ksuba. In the Ksuba that it says, the monies of the Ksuba will go to our sons. That's only talking about Karka. And so to the daughters are only going to be supported from Karka. Okay. So by the way, you see from this that the daughters, after the husband dies... The daughters are supported from their brothers, that's only taken from land, not from movable. Now, what happens if there's only movable? That we'll get to in a moment. But it's taken from land, primarily from land. So the Gemara says, so he said, so when Avam Nunna said this, everyone was yelling at him. He said he was probably talking about the inheritance that's stipulated in the Kasubah. He said to Rav Yosef, oh, he's such a hush of a person, he understood what I meant. That, that's what I meant. Okay. So now, Okay, so here's the deal. You see from this that when a man dies, his daughters are going to be supported, but that's from land, not from movable. Okay. However, that's because it's stipulated in the Ksuba. However, the dowry, a a guy dies, so he's got daughters, so they they need food. So the food they'll get from the land. They'll get from land. They'll sell land to, to pay for the food. They also need to get a dowry that they take from movable, because that's not stipulated in the ksuvah. Okay, so the dowry they get from movable, the support, the mezayinus, they get from land only. That's, that's clear from the ksuvah. Fine. So the Gemara says, Amr of Yosef, Rav Zan mechidid aliyah, Rav supported orphan girls from the wheat of the aliyah. Aliyah usually means attic, or it means like high up, like a high level. So he supported girls with wheat. He told them, take money from the wheat. Now here's the thing. If it's a dowry, that makes sense, because a dowry is taken from movable. If it's the food, we don't take food from movable, we take it from land. He gave them wheat. So what's going on over here? So the Gemara says, what, what did Rav mean? When Rav told the orphan girls that they should take the, the wheat as payment, mm-hmm. what was it referring to? Was it referring to the dowry, or was it referring to support financially? So the Gemara says, Parnosa, hava." was he referring to the dowry? And that makes sense, because the dowry is taken from movable, which is wheat. Now here's the thing, though. So what does it mean, aliyah? What does it mean that Rav gave them the wheat from the aliyah? Aliyah means an attic, but aliyah also mean high up. What it means is, he told them to take the dowry from the wheat. So what's the aliyah? He told them to take the dowry that we think your, your father would have given you. Meaning, here's the shaila: Father dies, so they go into the estate to take money for the dowry. How much? So How much? Do you give a small amount? Do you, do you give the higher end? So Rav took from the Aliyah the highest amount, meaning Rav felt that we go into the mindset of the person if he was alive, and we give the amount that we think he would give, which is a lot. But there's no statistical thing. No, but you, you probably go with what's the average. And you go with the Aliyah, the highest amount. The Aliyah means the most chashif. So the Gemara says, aliyah, da'avu aliyah means from the generosity that's delineated by Shmuel, the Amr Shmuel. When it comes to the dowry, we go into the mindset of the father. We estimate the amount the father was going to give. Now, um, yeah. I guess you, maybe you figure out the generosity of his nature, you find out his money, you, you try to figure out what he would do. So, that's, so, was Rav telling them to take wheat? Was that the dowry? Or was he telling you an even bigger Khaddish? Or perhaps like this. Maybe he was actually telling them to take the financial support from the wheat. But wait a minute. I thought the financial support is only taken from land, not from movables. The answer is there was a teaching in the attic of Yitzchak bar Yosef. Dom Ravitzk bar Yosef. <laughs> Aliyah means the attic. Dom Ravitzk bar Yosef. et beno Zaynim let me ask you a question. You have a, a girl, the, the, husband, the father dies. The daughters come to Bezdin and they say, hey, we're really hungry, we need $10,000 to support ourselves for food this this month, or this year, whatever. So Bezdin's like, okay, go take it from the land. So that means they have to start selling land. That's very hard. That's annoying. That's It's a it's a process. So you know what Rav Yosef instituted? He was metakin, take it from metatlin. Take it from movable. So that was a takana, I meaning even though technically they only have they only have rights to the land, they're allowed to take it from movable property. So is that what Rab did? So when Rab told him to take wheat, was that talking about the dowry and the khidish is that we get into the mindset of the father and we try to figure out how generous he is? Or was he telling them to take support, food for food, and the khidish is that we take support from movables as well? That's the question. So Tashima, let's try to prove it. Rabbanai was the brother of Chibarava Metalta Diasme. He had movable property of orphans. I guess he was a, he was a guardian over it. And Amalei Zilzain. So Shmuel said to Rabbanai, "Go support the girls with the movables. So it's the same thing. So the question is, my lav lemizani? Was he referring to to food? Ukederavisa by Yosef Sfira, and he also gave us by Yosef that we take that we take. Um, Financial, we take the money from the movables to make it easier for them. So the word says, Loi, no, perhaps. Perhaps it was talking about the dowry. Meaning, we do not know what Rav did. We tried to bring a proof from Shmuel. Well, we don't know what Shmuel did. There's no. All we know is that he told them to take money from movables. We don't know if it's referring to the dowry or we don't know if it's referring to, to the actual Mazinus. Um, but again, what you're seeing from here is that technically, when the father dies from the Ksuba, the daughters have the right to get parnosa, to, miz- to get food from land. They have the right to land, so they're given a plot of land to take care of them. But Rav instituted to make it easier for them that they could use metaltolin. We just don't know what Rav and Shmuel, whether they followed this at all. The Qumar now says some stories, and we'll end with this. there was an st- incident in but Narda and the judges in Arda told the orphan girls they could take movable items. Pumbadisa, a similar hap- thing happened to B'garev Chana And Rav Barbizna um, also told the orphan girls they could take for movables. So they followed the teaching of Yitzhah that we allow the daughters to take movable uh, property. So as the Gemara of Lever Nachman, Nachman heard about these stories, he told them, Zilu Arduri, go reverse your uh, uh, decisions. The And if not, I'll collect your mansions from them and repay the heirs from that. Meaning, he felt that that was inappropriate. He felt the daughters do not have access to movable. They only have access to land. And you took movable for them, and that was not right. So you basically seized property unlawfully, so return it, or I'll take your land and, re- and, and, and pay off the heirs with it. Okay, so it's a machlekes of whether of Yitzhak Bar Yosef's opinion, is accepted. The Gemara says another incident. Rav Ami Varavasi, several amazing mentality of Ami wanted to su- sustain orphan girls from movable property. Armler of Yaakov Aridi, mil of Rav Reish Lakish Leiavdu Bovda, Otun didn't do this. You want to do this? I Meaning it's not what the. That's not what. This is, um, this is like. It, it's like in Eretz Yisrael, There's a big to do in. Um, uh, it's a big to-do with of whether is real it's not real it's all Shailah I mean, I'm not getting into it right now but whenever they ask uh, like Rav Nisan Kaplan he's one of the Rosh Hashivas he, his always approaches and they ask the Orbach and they all say the same thing which is my father Rosh Zalman and my Rebbe Rosh Zalman they didn't do it I'm not doing it like, the, 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 the Tata didn't do it I'm not doing it it's like the, the, the Rebbe, so it's over here he said whether you're allowed to take sustenance from orphan girls from movable property Rav Yechon Rosh didn't do it so if they didn't do it, I'm not doing it. They were the leaders of Klai Yisrael and Eretzis. all the time. If they didn't do it, I'm not doing it. Now, just to finish up the daf, mm-hmm. Rav Lozer also wanted to sustain the orphan girls from movable property. Amr Lefana Rishim Ben-El-Yokur, Vrishim ben el said to him, Rav Yeideh Ani this is interesting. He says, I know you, she'ain midas, she'ain midas hadin that you're not doing this according to the letter of the law, Al you're doing this because of mercy. Who <laughs> Yeideh Revel Allah wanted to take movable property in order to support the, the orphan girls. Shimon Ben Eliakim said, I know that you're not doing this according to the letter of the law, you're doing this because of Rahmanus. Which is very interesting. Of, of of um. Yeah, so so basically I'll, I'll explain what this means. But he says, Ella. But you shouldn't do this because students are going to misunderstand what happened and they're going to find it in a, and they're going to pass in this way. Meaning, the marshal explains what happened was he went, went over to the sons and he said, listen, I can't force you to give the movable property to your sisters. But do me a favor. He was talking them into doing it so that they did it willingly because he felt that that was easier for them. So Hashem B'lai said, I understand that you're trying to be a nice guy and trying to make it easier, but what people are going to hear is that you took movable property and gave it to the orphan girls. And what they're eventually going to happen is they're going to pass it, and that's what you have to do. And eventually they're going to seize it by right. So what you're doing is, I get what you're trying to do, but it's going to lead to bad things. So just keep letter of the law, and letter of the law says they don't get it, they don't get it. Uh, just to finish up the does Huudas lekam Rabbi Yosef there was an orphan girl that came from of Yosef for support. So he told them, go take the dates. Take dates from the from the tree. Take the dates that are on the mats. So the, the dates fell off the tree. Take the dates. So that's telling them to take movable property. So said, they, they, they don't have the right to collect movable. Even Even if they were, uh, they were owed money, they don't have that right. Meaning, why are you giving them dates? They, they don't have the right to do that. So the Gemara says, so the Leit, I mean, to go to the next page, he said, I didn't mean take them dates that fell off the tree, I mean tell them to take the dates that are still on the tree. I mean, t- don't take movable property, <clears throat> take take the, take things that are connected to the ground, which is property, which is karka. So the Gemara says, no, 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 fruit, because they're eventually going to be cut off the tree, are treated as movable, even when they're attached to the tree. So if, if, if you have the rights to land, and not to not to movable, and you want to take apples, you don't have the right to take the apples. You might have the right to take the tree, you don't have the right to take the apples, because the apples are meant to come off the tree, so it's as if they're already severed. So why are you telling them to take the dates? They don't have the rights to the dates. So the Gemara says, I was talking about the dates that still need the palm trees, meaning, I was talking about unripe dates, unripe dates which are not meant to be cut, um yeah so they're still considered real property so you don't have the rights to take ripe dates you have the right to take unripe dates i'm interested um no so um one second yeah oh so 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 he brings out on the bottom that they, they, while they're not the question is why would you, anyone want unripe dates so the Ritzvah explains everything on the, the Ritzvah explains it's not that they're unripe it's that they're still on the tree they're not ready to be picked yet. They're technically ripe enough that they're, they could be picked. But if they would stay on the tree longer, they would improve. So because if they would stay on the tree longer, they would still improve. They're, they're, they're considered karka. So if you wanted to pick them before, you have the right to do that. But 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 mamish ones that are ready to be ripe and are that will not improve to stay on, those are considered movable. And Abaya did not feel that movable items were allowed to be given to the orphan girls for support. Right. I'll stop here. Recording stopped.